Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This is Sandy Clough and Chandro Tar on Mile High Sports. Bronco Brinksmanship continues on this Reaction Monday on Mile High Sports. I'm Sandy Clough. Along with Sean Rotar, Dr. Rick Perea sitting in for Sean this week. And... Rick will join us shortly as we begin on this 20th day of November 2023 with the Broncos having achieved over the last five weeks what few thought possible. We'll get to the basics. Winning four in a row, the last time the Broncos actually won four games in a row, not just had the chance to win four in a row, but actually accomplished it was the 4-0 start that they enjoyed at the beginning of the 2016 season. And I thought in many ways, and we'll get Dr. Perea's feedback on this in just a few minutes, but I thought in many ways that four-game winning streak to begin the 2016 season was a carryover more than a hangover from the Super Bowl 50 victory over Carolina. In fact, that 2016 season began on opening night for all teams in the NFL with a rematch against the Carolina Panthers. The Broncos won that game. Graham Gano, who is still kicking, I believe, for the New York football Giants, missed a field goal that would have won the game at the end for Carolina. The Broncos, even if they need two chances, aren't missing game-winning field goals or game-winning scoring opportunities, and they needed more than a field goal last night to survive against the Minnesota Vikings by a final score of 22-21, to a game they led virtually throughout until late when uh, the Vikings came on took a lead. Uh, The Broncos kept kicking field goals, five of them in all, before the final touchdown drive. And it wasn't until 69 seconds remained in the game that the Broncos got into the end zone. And with, technically speaking, the game-winning extra point being kicked by Lutz, uh, the Broncos made it four in a row. For the first time since October 2nd, 2016, uh, they beat the Bucks that day quite easily to get to 4-0, and they haven't been four games over 500 since. 
they were six and six though at 500 at the end of 2018 before a couple of injuries to Emmanuel Sanders and Chris Harris Jr. derailed their playoff prospects. Uh, that was in 2018, and they finished 6-10 and 10 back uh, during a time when they were playing 16 games. But there does seem to be a building sense of belief, and I was telling our executive uh, sports producer, Danny Bailey, I'm Sandy Clef, by the way. Dr. Rick Perea has joined us. We're on Mile High Sports 98.1 FM milehighsports.com slash watch or milehighsports.com slash listen if that is your preference. We're available via the Mile High Sports app. And, of course, the great Danny Bailey is our executive producer. And uh, Dr. Perea, I was talking to Danny, and I said this is uh, reminiscent of the six-game Team Tebow-led winning streak of uh, October and November back in 2011. 12 years ago. It has that same kind of feeling to it, but maybe, maybe this time with a little more substance because I don't think anybody believed that the Broncos could continue to win that way. I mean, those wins were even more improbable than (laughs) the ones they've had, uh, particularly the last three of the four games on this winning streak. Uh, But I, I get the sense that there is a belief building within the team, within the organization. And my question to you as a master of what is and what isn't belief, to coin a phrase, do you believe? Uh, wow. Um, not yet. Not yet. Because... I'm about 80% of the way, I must say, but yeah. – uh, I mean, Go on. I, because I look at the evidence of the, of the like you mentioned, the last three games, the manner they've won those games. Um, and I know the people out there will say that W is the W, and it is, and I, and I get that. But also I'm a little more analytical to understand how they've won. and um, But they've won, and they've found a way to win, and they've done that with a belief system. We call that self-efficacy. It's a belief system in yourself and others on your org- in your organization, which is, Qualifies as a team. The Broncos are an organization at a core level. So I think there is definitely an efficacy that's building within this team. You can feel it. You can see it. On the defensive side of the ball, um, it literally comes down to, like, gap integrity, gap responsibility on the defense. You see that being taken care of. You don't see big coverages being blown. No, you don't. Um, Hardly ever anymore. And I can't honestly remember the last time they clearly blew a coverage, and it resulted in a big passing play. And I can't remember from the Miami game a single pass thrown by Tua during the course of the afternoon when there wasn't some kind of coverage breakdown. Right. What a transformation. Yeah, and it is. And and I want the people to understand a, a breakdown in coverage is mental. It's not necessarily physical. It's mental. If they're in a two and they should be in a three or a three and they should be in a a cloud with a man underneath, zone over the top, whatever it is, that's all mental. And so you, I see those things. And then on the offensive side of the ball, you see the, the the number one thing I see with Russell Wilson is he's staying in the pocket that split second long enough to let his last progression to come clean. And that's why he's completed those two touchdown passes at the end of the game to um, 
Um, Cortland Sutton, the yeah, one on Sutton. the fourth down. Yeah. And I thought Sean Payton was exactly right when it was fourth and three at his own 32-yard line to go for it. Because yeah. you punt the ball away, there's no guarantee you'll get it back. The Broncos this year have had that experience. So Sean Payton has been around and seen that. And we know that under Nathaniel Hackett, Vic Fangio, that happened all the time to the Broncos. They would yeah. punt the ball away, uh, playing the conventional way. The conventional wisdom says that you punt, even if the analytics don't. And he went for it on fourth and three at his own 32. And obviously it's do or die yep. because they're going to kick a field goal. You would think mm-hmm. if the Broncos don't make it and then it's a nine point game, it's a two score game. The game is over. Right. So he bet everything on that fourth and three conversion. Uh, Sutton made the one-handed catch. Another was pass interference on the play. So even if he hadn't caught the pass, they would have got the first down. But the final pass, what did you see on that? Because that was an example in which last year, I'm sure Wilson would have been circling out of the pocket and yeah. running around every which way before throwing some kind of desperation heave that would have been 10 yards out of the end zone. And he threw that pass last night, moving up in the pocket, kind of on the move, and lofted it just perfectly. Right. And it was still a sensational catch, but only Sutton had a chance to make the play on it, and he did. Yeah. Well, the difference is, even if you go back to earlier in the season or last year, is Russell Wilson would have often just collapsed in the pocket. He literally several times last year would just collapse in the pocket. I mean, he hadn't even been touched, but now he's standing in and he's throwing while he's being hit. He's throwing while guys are in his face and coming in. And that's really being him being able to play on that parasympathetic side where he's calm and he can let the progressions come open. That's the difference I'm seeing in him now is he's willing to stand in there in the pocket and make those difficult throws that often, you know, come open late in the route. And you have to be able to stand in there and do that. And the only way to do that is you have to be able to be in a very calm, focused mindset. You're not focusing on the rush. We have what's called relevant and irrelevant cues to increase focus. When you focus on irrelevant cues like the rush, when you focus on irrelevant cues like the breakdown of your blocking schemes, you tend to panic when you're in the pocket. Yeah. When you focus on relevant cues, the your progressions, your hot, your second, your third read, and you focus only on those relevant cues, you filter out the irrelevant cues. So that increases your focus. And that's what he's doing now. That's the psychology of Russell Wilson's transformation in the last three games. And I think if it continues to happen, the Broncos are in a good situation because I think their defense is really settled in. And I'm, I'm so proud of VJ. I think they're doing a great job and I'm so thankful he's has this chance because, you know, he could have been found himself unemployed by now after what happened in the first three or four games. Well, what happened after Miami, virtually everyone, uh, I must say myself included, I, I just, expected as a natural order of events that was an historically bad defensive performance that there would have to be a change but sean payton chose not to make a change yeah and didn't make a big deal about it didn't get testy 
about it. I mean, they're sitting there at 0-3. They've just given up 70 points on their way to 1-5, and right? Yeah, yeah. And he did not get testy uh, the way Brandon Staley did yesterday, the head coach of the Los Angeles Chargers. <laughs> I'm sure you saw the clip. Yeah, I did. Um, that's the look of a guy who knows he's gone. Yeah. That, that's, that's the look and the sound of a guy who knows He's gone. He knows he's in trouble. He's the very least in trouble and knows that he's got seven games to make it right. Yeah. Maybe. (laughs) If it doesn't get right in a hurry, he may not even have all seven games, but they basically got to win six out of seven uh, to make the playoffs. And uh, this is the Chargers. Um, The only advantage they have is all seven games are in conference games, so they help with tiebreakers, but they got to win almost all of them. Yeah. Uh, maybe one loss in there somewhere, but uh, you know, the Broncos look at their schedule and they see the chargers twice. The Broncos are in second place. Now <laughs> they started the day yesterday, 14th in the AFC. They finished the day 10th in the AFC. Mm-hmm. They started the day last in the AFC. They finished the day in the West. Yeah. In the West second, not last, but second. Right. Ahead of the Raiders and ahead of the Chargers, who are now in last place. So this is the first time in ages that the Broncos have been out of last place in the yeah. in the AFC West. You know, uh, Sandy, yeah. l- let me ask you a question. Um, who would you say, and again, AFC, NFC, doesn't matter. Who do you say is playing really well right now as a football team overall? I just, I'm just curious. Who do you think is playing really well? The Philadelphia Eagles have the best record, so I'll pick the Philadelphia Eagles. I, when you say who's playing well right now, I I take that to mean who do you trust? Yeah. And they may lose tonight to Kansas City. The game's in Kansas City. Yeah. They may lose, but I trust the Eagles. Yep. On both sides of the ball, I trust Jalen Hurts. Yeah. I trust the offensive line. I trust the head coach whose expertise lies on the offensive side of the ball. I trust the defense, which is equally well coached, even though having gone to the Super Bowl last year, they lost their defensive coordinator to a head coaching job. I trust the defense. I trust their special teams. They may not even win their division, but boy, I think they're in pretty good shape right now. Eight and one to Dallas is seven and three. And I, I trust them. Uh, I like the 49ers when they're healthy. When they're healthy. As they are now, yeah. they look overwhelming with Trent Williams healthy and Debo Samuel healthy and Christian McCaffrey healthy. Yeah. They look mighty good to me. Yeah. But the team I trust the most at the moment and the team, the only team in the NFL with just the one loss is Philadelphia. Let me let me tell you why I asked you that question. Is that, that the right answer or the there, wrong answer? There's no right or wrong answer. There's only your answer. And it's often right. But here's 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 the reason I asked that question. Is because I tell people this. And again, as a psychologist, it's my job to ask questions that other people wouldn't. To think of 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 explanations or origins of behavior that most people th- don't think about. Because what most people do when they break down sports and analysis they talk about talent. They talk about neck down. I talk about neck up. So think about this. 
someone has to win the Super Bowl every single year. Someone does. Yeah. They have to. Yeah. They don't. The NFL never gets to the point in the playoffs. It goes, you know what? Everyone just sucks this year. We're not even going to have a Super Bowl. Now, there are years where most people don't play really well. And there's only a few teams that play really well and have winning records. And they're not necessarily executing really well. Mm -hmm. I mean, to me, it blows me away that in the NFL, we still have these guys do this professionally. I've been in these buildings before. They get there at 7 a.m. They don't leave till 7 at night. Some of them stay even later, quarterbacks especially. They do this as a profession, and yet they're still very average in what they do. Let me give you an example. When receivers drop passes on a regular basis, you still see that. When people miss tackles, they don't practice tackling anymore. I just see Well, we're so just talking much. about the Chargers. You're describing the Los Angeles Chargers yeah. who dropped, it seemed like, half the passes that right. Justin Herbert threw to them yesterday. I yeah. know I'm exaggerating, but they also missed critical tackles. And on a single play, they'd miss four or five tackles. Right. They are psychologically in a dead spot uh, in, in some kind of place that they seem to have occupied for a lot of years. The Chargers are famous. They, the, the term is chargering yeah. for blowing otherwise certain victories. Yeah, but it's someone's going to win the Super Bowl this year, and sometimes people win Super Bowls by default. I mean, I told you this before. I remember when I was working for the Dolphins and we were up in New England, I watched it on the sidelines. New England would just wait for us to shoot ourselves in the foot. Exactly. And then they'd capitalize on it. And, you know, I guess what I'm looking for is a team that comes out and runs the ball, controls the line of scrimmage, throws the ball in, in situational um, mismatches, and really and then plays great defense. Not all the time. I understand there's going to be some hiccups and bumps in the road. But, you know, I just don't see that week in and week out. I think San Francisco's close to that at times. Yeah. But then they have a three-game hiccup. Yeah. I think Philadelphia has shown that they're, they're very stable. Yeah, there's in their a front office there too, but yeah. they're stable. They're very Up stable and down the organizational chart. Yeah, it, it, in so many ways, and I know some people there who work in the front office and some coaches there, and I think that Philadelphia, to me, is really one of the only teams that has showed a maturity that they can regulate themselves on a consistent basis from the neck up and be who they're supposed to be. I think there's so many other teams. Like on any given day, you just don't know who's going to show up. And that's all mental. And the mental side of the game in the NFL right now is not in a great state. And what I mean by that is in our industry, we don't have the best and the brightest within the industry. They're working in other sports. Yeah. And I've seen it yeah. happen recently. And it's sad because I think we have to have the best and the brightest working in this industry to help these quarterbacks, to help these players play at their peak potential because I, I don't see it week in and week out. The Broncos did not run more than 52 plays last night. They did not gain 300 yards in the game. They only had 13 first downs, and they only converted two third downs all night long. Does the fact that they won anyway speak to some of the points you're making? and make Sean Payton deserving of much credit? Or is it living on the precipice and you're bound to fall off at some point? Maybe against Cleveland, 
this coming Sunday, maybe at Houston the following week. But winning the way they're winning can or can't last. That is the question we will address next right here. Sandy Cleft, Dr. Rick Perea sitting in for Sean Rotar. This is Mile High Sports Radio. I was broken from a young age, taking my soak into the masses, writing my poems for the few that look at me, took at me, shook at me, feeling me, singing from heartache, from the pain, taking my message from the veins, speaking my lesson from the brain, seeing the beauty through the... Sandy Clough and Chandro Tar, presented by Superbook Sports. Download the Superbook app and start winning today at Superbook.com. Here's Sean and Sandy. On this four-game winning streak, what is the mindset of this team? Uh, you know, we're relentless, but I think more than anything else, we haven't done anything yet. We haven't done anything yet. We've got, we got, we got a lot more to do, and uh, we're going the right direction, though. That's, that's the exciting part. Certainly are. All right, guys, congratulations. Russell Wilson speaking after last night's game with NBC alongside Cortland Sutton. They were the two heroes last night collaborating on the final touchdown reception that gave the Broncos with the Lutz extra point, a 21-20 cliffhanging victory over the Minnesota Vikings who were on their own five-game winning streak until last night. The Broncos had won three in a row, now have won Four in a row. And we mentioned some of the uh, modest statistics that right. the Broncos compiled last night, including, and I don't pay any attention ordinarily to time of possession, and I don't in this case, largely for the reasons I'm about to outline. The Vikings had the ball for almost 35 minutes. The Broncos had the ball for 25 minutes and two seconds in the game last night. Didn't make any difference. The Broncos just kicked field goals until the last minute, nine seconds of the game when they put the ball in the end zone, and that was enough for the extra point to win the game. We remind ourselves all the time on this program that the stats come out of the game. The game doesn't come out of the stats. One stat, though, that seems to be pretty much one that guarantees victory. If you win the turnover battle by three or more, you win more than 93% of the time going back to, I believe, 2000. And this year, you're 30 and 3, 29 and 3 before last night. And the Broncos almost made it 29 and 4, but they win the game. They go to 30 and 3. And my question to you is even with modest stats, Russell Wilson. Threw for over 200 yards last night, but not for 300 yards. Right. And they still managed to score more than 20 points and get the win. How much credit does Peyton deserve when they're winning games with fewer first downs, almost 100 fewer yards, almost a difference of 10 minutes in possession time? Yeah. And they still... find a way and you were talking about that before that 
the good teams or teams that improve tend to be less turnover prone, less mistake prone. And we talked right at the outset today about defensively, to be sure, how few mistakes the Broncos are making. Right. How clean a game they play defensively now. Yeah. I, I literally call it the stability within an organization. And you, by the way, how many turnovers did Minnesota have yet last night? Three. Three. So there the you Broncos go. Broncos had zero. So there you go. There there you go with that, that statistic. Um, s- turnovers will change everything. Time of possession, throwing you, you said that was total New, yards. You just told the story about New England a few minutes ago when you went up there with the Miami Dolphins in 2016. And the Patriots weren't necessarily even playing a better brand of football no. than you were at that point. No. But they just waited for you to beat yourself. And at least for the last four weeks, particularly the last three, uh, during which time they've had 12 takeaways. Imagine that. Yeah. Five, four, and three. The Broncos are just waiting for the other guys to beat themselves. Right. Well, and here's the prob- law of probability. The Broncos aren't going to have 12 turnovers in the next four games. They're not takeaways. Takeaways. Right. Yeah, they're not going to probably have, not. No. They're not. I mean, the law of probability. They're not. And so we're we're riding a wave that's very unusual. It's it's and, and I'm not saying that the Broncos don't deserve those W's because they do, but let's understand how they're winning. You asked me the question: Does Sean Payton turn uh, deserve a lot of the credit? Yeah. I, I I say no because he gets too much blame in the winning. I yes. Mean, too much yeah, credit no. in the winning. Too much blame in the losing. Yeah. Um, there's so many variables that go into winning a football game. So many variables. And it's not just time of possession. It's not just total no. yards. It's not just – but turnovers will really, really tell a story. You know, there was a point in the game they last night – They tell a night, psychological story. Oh, absolutely. Right? The stability of a team. Yeah. Like last night, this is where Minnesota still has to grow up too. Yeah. You know, they're leading 17 to what was, what did the Broncos have? I think have? 17 to 9. 17 to when, 9. Uh, and they're driving. And, and, and they're the getting, fumble takes place. And they're getting five, six yards a crack. Exactly. And trust me, I've played defense before. That's demoralizing when a Ooh. team can just shove it down your throat. Run at will. And they're getting five, seven yep. yards a crack. You're right. And boom, there's a fumble. Yep. It changed the whole, changed the whole complexion game. of the game. Changed the whole game. Right there. Big because play of, of the game. Because if Big Minnesota the goes game. down, they not only... Even a field goal makes yes. it 20 to 9, and the game's almost certainly over. And they're point. draining the clock yep. in the run game. You're right. So, right. you know, you look at the tale of two tapes of what could have happened, should have happened, did happen. The Broncos have earned this W. It's theirs. I give that to them. But I think they're living on the precipice, like you said. Right. I really do. All that's right. what I think is going to happen, and that's my prediction going forward. Well, I, I want to bring up another stat, but you'll relate to this because you were with the Broncos in 2015. Yes, sir. When the Broncos were among the worst offensive teams yep. of the 21st century in the NFL, with a record after 10 games of 7-3 and three or better. These are the worst offensive teams going back to 2000 with 7-3 and three records or better through 10 games. And that includes this year. Cleveland Browns, 2023, 7-3. and three. The metric on offensive expected points added per game is for the Browns is minus 10. Hmm. That's an extraordinary figure. 
Yeah. Imagine how good their defense has to be. The 05 Bears, 7-3, and minus 9.3. That team went to the Super Bowl with Rex Grossman mm-hmm. at quarterback and Hester returning kicks and yeah. punts. And even in the Super Bowl, we saw that happen, although the Dolphins won. I'm sorry, the Dolphins. <laughs> the game was played in Miami. The Indianapolis Colts with Peyton Manning, a quarterback, won that, won that particular Super Bowl. 2010 with Jay Cutler, a quarterback. Chicago 7-3, minus 9.0 offensive EPA per game. 3 Dallas Cowboys 7-3, minus 6.4. I believe Drew Bledsoe was the quarterback. I could be mistaken about that. Uh, the 4 Baltimore Ravens 7-3, minus 6.4. The 2012 Chicago Bears, although I think Cutler might have been hurt that year, 7-3, uh, minus 5.1. Then we get to a team you know well. The 2015 Denver Broncos were 8-2 and two after 10 games with a minus 5 offensive EPA per game. That's how good their defense had to yeah. be for the Broncos to yeah. be 8-2. And, two. And, and the special teams, too. Mm-hmm. But it, it shows that even in this century, as offense seemingly continues to grow, although I think it's leveled off and maybe even dropped some this year from previous years, boy, you can still be good if you're dominant on defense and on special teams. It can make up for certain offensive shortcomings. This year's Jacksonville Jaguars with Trevor Lawrence at quarterback, but until yesterday, not really having a good year at all, 7-3 minus 4.7. Tampa Bay in 05, 7-3 minus 4. Kansas City in, I think, Andy Reid's first year, 2013, 9-1 minus 3.9. But minus 5.0. People forget that, including playoffs, I think Peyton Manning had 11 touchdown passes that year and 18 interceptions. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And in every regular season game he started in 2015, he threw at least one interception. Yeah. I remember during that season, he had three interceptions in the first half of one of our games. I can't remember which one it was, but I remember when he did that. And so people need to understand, it again, turnovers is really the difference maker in in almost every single game, 93, 94% of games, it is the difference maker. And I just think it's really important for people to understand why people win, why people lose, and analyze that and understand it, especially what I do from the psychological perspective. The stability of teams in terms of, we've seen right here in Denver, the leader of the defense, Vance Joseph, the defensive coordinator, improve his stability emotionally and psychologically just not only on the sideline now. Yeah. He's the calmest man in the building. Yeah, not only in the building and what and in what he's teaching every day at practice and coaching, but on the sideline when live bullets are flying out there, like you said, he's calm. He's stable on the sidelines, and he wasn't that way early in the season. He wasn't, and we talked about it. We did. And he heard about it. He heard about <laughs> it. He did. And you and Vance are very close friends. You've done a lot of work with him. He heard about it. He could not really dispute the contention that you made uh, here on this program earlier this season. But he's a different person now. And nothing like, for example, the CU defensive coordinator, who if he had any hair, it would have burned (laughs) out long ago. Uh, I, I don't know about recently, but there was a time a few weeks back in which he seemed to be throwing tantrums on the sideline, running up and down. 
And when players came off the field, he'd just scream at them. Yeah. Let me me postulate a question here. And his players could see him running up and down the sideline going crazy when there were 12 men on the field or uh, whatever mistake had just been made. Uh, A blown coverage. Right. Yeah. (laughs) Of which there have been few, if any, for the Denver Broncos in the last month. Yeah. Let me let me let me supposition something here. Um, one of the reasons I like to do radio is because I want people to go, hmm, hadn't quite thought of that before. Hadn't quite thought of that angle before from the emotional, psychological perspective. And so imagine this. If two NFL coaches were talking on their own time, maybe they're having a beer, or they're at a restaurant, whatever, could be on pregame. I introduced two NFL I introduced a GM and a coach this weekend at the Giants-Washington game. I had to meet in pregame. So they you can meet them in all different ways. Um, but imagine there's two NFL coaches, and they say, you know, um, boy, that Denver team, they're you know they're on a five-game win streak. Four. four am I four. giving them too much credit already? Too much credit well, now. Four-game yeah. win streak, and, you know, what is it? And one of them yeah. says, yeah, man, the defense is playing yep. well. And, and, it, and it, he talks about football. Yeah. And then the other one goes, you know, I get what you're saying, but that's that's the outcome. The process of that is that their defensive coordinator changed his delivery system, his pedagogical delivery system, the way he talks, the way he coaches, the way he teaches, and that settled down his defense from an emotional and psychological level, which enabled them to play to their potential physiologically. So, Sandy, my dream is in 15, 20 years from now, People will be explaining performance from not only the neck down, but from the neck up because they'll understand how that works. I can't tell you how many coaches I've worked with that I'll, I'll, I teach them a technique of how to regulate anxiety and perform at their peak levels. And they call me in two weeks and they're like, man, this is contagious. It's spread into my whole defense. And I'm like, yeah, imagine that because they never have been taught that before. Earlier this year, after a loss, Garrett Bowles, the Broncos' left tackle, said, all I've done here is lose. Yep. That was the quote. Yeah. All I've done here is lose. It was a little more expressive than that, but that's the gist of it. That's the gist of it. There were were a few expletives. I saw a scene last night after the game that was as telling, and you're nodding. I think you may have seen that, too. too. Justin Simmons, who has never performed in a playoff game, arrived in 2016. Garrett Bowles, the following year, arrived, never been in a playoff game. They're embracing after the game. And Bowles' back was to the camera, so you couldn't really see his expression. Yeah. Simmons seemed, if not in tears, on the verge of tears. And it was one of the warmest embraces yeah. I've ever seen after game. These are two guys who combined have been through seven years or six years of losing football. Yeah. And now they have a four-game winning streak that Justin Simmons would remember from his rookie season in 2016, but it was the first four games. Yeah. Garrett Bowles never played on a team in the NFL. That's won four games in a row. None of the Bronco teams he's ever played have won four games in a row. Three in a row, yes. 
four in a row, never. And that just struck me Yeah, last night. As if you want to know where the Broncos are internally, what better place to go than that tight shot. And good for NBC in getting it. I don't know. Maybe NBC didn't realize yeah. what that symbolized. Right. Two guys who have never won, who have done nothing but lose. Uh, Justin Simmons played on one winning team mm-hmm. in 2016, his rookie year, that didn't make the playoffs. Garrett Bowles has played on nothing but losing teams. That's what prompted his remark yeah. earlier this year, that all I've done in the NFL is lose. Yeah. done nothing but lose. Well, a culture by design, as opposed to a culture by default, plans in the way that they're going to regulate from the neck up in the emotionality of their players. And they not only do that, Sandy, in a wellness program, they encourage their players to be expressive with each other and to talk and support each other. And there you had an offensive tackle embracing a free safety on defense, an offense and defense. And you don't see that all the time. No, you don't. You don't see that. Sometimes they those two part like the Red Sea. Oh, absolutely. They're defense. on different sides of the locker room. Yeah, absolutely. And to see that embrace says to me that this team on the defensive side of the ball, because I can speak to that, um, is emotionally and psychologically mm-hmm. pretty healthy. Yes. And Garrett mm-hmm. Bowles was, I, I from the angle that I saw, you know, they came together and they embraced each other and – Justin Simmons was the first to start to let go. Garrett held on. Yeah. And it was emotion. Like you said, the angle, we couldn't quite see his face. We couldn't quite see his face. But But that to me, Sandy, is the emotional, psychological side of a team that we don't value enough because we don't know how to measure. I mean, we do in the psychological world, but most coaches in the NFL don't know how to measure that and, and value that. So they don't value it as much and teach the pedagogical delivery system. But I can tell you right now, Vance Joseph should be the MVP right now of that defense because he has been a leader in emotional regulation for that defense, and that's why they're playing at such a stable level. They're not making, they're not blowing gap assignments, they're not blowing coverages, and they're flying around to the ball. I mean, number forty-nine, that dude, that dude just flies around. I know he, I think, is he an undrafted free agent? Mm-hmm. Um, that kid just plays football. And more more people in the NFL need to watch 49 because he plays the game the way it should be played. It doesn't care what round he was drafted in, not drafted, whatever, but that kid busts his butt and he flies around playing defense. That's contagious. And we'll come back and talk about the Broncos and where they go from here. We will hear in just a few moments from both Sean Payton and Cortland Sutton. That's next. Sandy Clef, Sean Rotar with Dr. Rick Perea sitting in for Sean this week. This is Mile High Sports Radio. This is Sandy Clough and Chandrotar on Mile High Sports. There is breaking news this afternoon in the National Football League, and this has pertinence as far as the Broncos are concerned because 
Last night, Kareem Jackson returned to the lineup, played every single snap on defense for the Denver Broncos. Returned after two games when he was initially suspended for four. And the league gave him a break. I thought too much of a break. That was my personal opinion. He was ejected from two games. I thought he deserved four games. Yeah. But they cut it to two. Last night, on the first series of the game, the first action that Kareem Jackson was involved in, he delivers a head-first high hit to Joshua Dobbs on that kind of ridiculous gimmick play that the Vikings ran um, that resulted in a fumble. Uh, Dobbs coming around from having been flanked out to the right. They had TJ Hawkinson, the tight end, lined up under center. Hawkinson takes a snap. You think it's going to be one of those uh, rugby jobs <laughs> where they'll get the first down. But he pitches the ball on an end around to Dobbs coming around from right to left. And Jackson smashes into head first Joshua Dobbs high, ends up hitting him in the head. On NBC, the ex official who every network uses now. Yeah. An ex-official for rules interpretations jumped right in without really much prompting. Mm-hmm. And after the turnover, the Broncos have the ball. They end up kicking a field goal. They show the replay. You see, that's 15 yards. Yeah. And he, he didn't say it's 15 yards because it's Kareem Jackson. He said, that's 15 yards. That's as clear leading with a crown of your helmet high, that's as clear a violation as anything. Yeah. That he get, and no matter who it was, it would have been a clear violation. Broncos got away with it. You get those breaks when you're on a four-game winning streak. Let's be honest about it. You get a 12-man on the field flag that was legit, but come on now, against Buffalo. Right. That wins you the game. And you get three free points last night because the officials didn't have either the wisdom or the guts to call Kareem Jackson for a penalty. And Kareem Jackson's whining all week about how he's under this double standard that applies to no one else. Well, if he was being scrutinized, at least on that play, he wasn't because he got away with murder. But what he did not get away with is avoiding a suspension. Kareem Jackson will be gone for the next four games. And this time they ain't cutting it to two because he is a recidivist now. He's been suspended twice for the same offense in the same year. This is the second time he's been suspended. It will be four games. And listen, uh, I didn't think he played all that great a game last night, but he played every snap. And there weren't too many defenders last night, Dr. Perea, other than Sertan and Singleton, the aforementioned Alex Singleton, you were just talking about him before the break, they're the only three who played every snap. Sertan, Jackson, even uh, uh, Justin Simmons. Justin, yeah. He played every snap. So yep. there were four. Yep. Including Kareem Jackson. Kareem Jackson will be gone for the next month. Well, I can tell you one place where... Four-game suspension. Where he will be... He's going to be he's he's going to be issued um, a direct. He has to go to the psychological protocol. 
there's a psychological protocol when you get suspended and you um, repeat that suspension, you are declared that you have to mandatory do a psychological evaluation and then also a four to six week program, depending on how that evaluation comes out, whether he'll have to do more work with a particular psychologist that's emphasized in trauma and tragedy, because here's the thing. Um, that hit starts from the decision to make a hit like yes. that. He, oh, yes. He gets to choose whether he goes high or low. I mean, he does, his body just well, doesn't propel itself. He also itself. gets to choose whether to lead with his head. That's what I mean. Uh, that's what I mean. The body doesn't just propel itself. We, we make that decision with our brain. I'm going to hit here. I'm going to hit there. This is how I'm going to hit. I'm going to wrap up. I'm not going to wrap up. We make that decision, and he consciously made that decision as you put, Sandy, on the first series. His first series, again, this was the first play he was in on. He delivered the first hit he delivered coming off a two-game suspension was the same type of hit that got him a two-game suspension. Right. And I can tell you as a psychologist, if he's in my office, I'm I'm going back to a very rudimentary question. What the heck are you doing? Like, really? You're gonna you're your first and day he got away back? with it. Got away with That'd be it. like someone being let out of prison. Yeah. And the first day they get let out of prison, they, they go commit the, another crime. They rob the same bank. And you're like, okay, <laughs> I guess you like it in there. You know, you want to go back. Yeah, yeah. I guess Kareem likes being suspended, yeah, yeah. you know, because that's what he's indicated. He gets to choose where he delivers the blow. Now, there are times when you're aiming at the, at the sternum, at the waist, and the player makes a move and that you can slide up, but that wasn't one of these plays. I was disappointed, frankly, um, after that statement was made on national television, that uh, Mike Tirico, whom I know and like, uh, Chris Collinsworth, uh, whom I don't know, but I, I like his work. Um, it's it's strange. Chris Collinsworth was an offensive player receiver. Yep. And he never never, ever talks about those kinds of hits. Either denies it, won't talk about it, mm-hmm. said nothing, mm-hmm. said nothing. Not even, well, Broncos got away with one there. Yeah. And Dobbs, they mentioned Dobbs went into the tent to be checked out for a concussion. Yeah. He now, fumbled, he was he able to continue in the bit, but he fumbles he on fumbled the play. On that play. The Broncos recover, and they go ahead and kick a field goal yeah. and go up three to nothing. Wow. And, you know, it's a free three points. Now, I'm not saying that everything else that happened in the game would have unfolded the same way had right. a personal foul penalty been called and Minnesota retained possession. I'm not saying the Broncos wouldn't have won anyway. But, in the short term, they got a break. In the long term, they miss a regular player who, if nothing else throughout his career, has been durable. Hardly ever missed a game due to injury. Yeah. And who plays every snap. Yeah. When he's healthy and he's available to play, he plays every snap. And here's the- And they're not going to have him for the next four games. And the next four games is their season. That's their season. Yeah. Next four games. Three of them are on the road. They play Cleveland. Then they go to Houston. Then they play at the Chargers. And then they get an easy one at Detroit. Yeah. Well, here, here's what <laughs> here's what Denver is going to miss with Kareem. He He's a good player. 
Um, but physiological from the neck down, they won't miss them as much as from the neck up. And what I mean by that is from the neck up is not just emotional regulation. Yeah. It's decision-making, organizational. He gets people in the right checks. He gets people in the right coverages. You he know, and Simmons are very good that way. Yeah. Uh, That's why they're on the field way. all the time. Yeah, 100%. And, you know, a, a strong safety, a free safety that can get people organized in, in the back end, the coverages, is so important, and he he brought that element of stability back there to the back end of the defense, and that's where they're going to miss him. And it, it's really sad to think about that you don't understand that you have you hurt your team when you do this. He obviously hurts himself in many ways, but he's harming his team by doing this because you know there's there's you know they maybe will come up of a a rule for the Kareem Jackson rule. I mean, after you offend this several times or recidivism yeah. three or four times, you're going to be suspended from the NFL for a full season until you well, understand. I'm thinking, you know, if Caden Stearns doesn't get hurt every single season, as it seems that he does, I'm not sure Kareem Jackson would be playing for the Denver Broncos right now. Yeah, I wonder if he played his last game in a Denver Bronco uniform last night. He's well into his 30s. Uh, it's kind of a year-to-year thing. There have been a couple of times when he, his contract's been up, when there's been some question about the Broncos re-signing him. There was one year where he was spitting mad at the Broncos, and they finally came back to him and said, okay, but we're going to cut your salary yeah, uh, dramatically. And he wasn't thrilled about it, but he didn't have any other offers, and maybe now you begin to see uh, why – Kareem Jackson can be a detriment, uh, especially now. And this wasn't one of those cases where it was a late hit right. or anything, as as were the previous hits, not only dirty but late. But th- this one was a big play in a ball game. It would cause one of the three turnovers that the Minnesota Vikings committed last night. All right, we will come back, and we will hear, I promise, next from Sean Payton and Cortland Sutton as – Sandy and Sean continue. Dr. Rip Perea sitting in for Sean Rotar. This is My High Sports Radio. It rules all creation. Yeah, we're, we're 